It's 8pm, Tuesday, May the 20th, 2019, and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Good evening and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme this evening, we get a reminder of summer wine recommendations from our resident wine guru, Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants. I'm out and about on my culinary travels in County Mayo on a farm trip hosted by West Limerick Resources. And during my trip, I meet a Skeeton man, Dermot Madigan, who is the GM of the beautiful Mulrani Park Hotel and founder of the Gourmet Greenway. And I also meet Maeve O'Malley from Achill Island Sea Salt. And Maeve will be telling me all about her family's artisan food business and the visitor experience that they offer on Achill Island. And finally, we return to Liston Varna for the Burren Slow Food Festival, which took place earlier this month. And when I was there, I met Brian Donnelly from Be A Rebel, which is a Belfast cafe serving up award-winning ramen. But before that, if you would like to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste, you can make contact by emailing s.nunan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. And I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So our first guest tonight is our resident wine guru, Ron Forrestal, who on a past visit to the Best Possible Taste Studio had some wonderful summer wine recommendations for us. So let's have a listen and remind ourselves what to be stocking up for when the sun is shining. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Ron, you're very welcome to the studio tonight. Thanks, Sharon. We think summer's here. Yes, yes, it's it's been a great spell of weather. So we're going to talk about summer wines. Yes, uh, you know, it's a bit early maybe yet, but it's good to have these things in your mind and to to start planning maybe for uh, when the weather really takes off. Okay. So lots of different countries here. Yes, yeah, I know we're we're doing a kind of a a breakdown on countries each, each time we come on, but tonight I just thought we'd take a break and look at some of the ones that really suit when the weather's good, you're maybe sitting out um, and want something that's very drinkable, uh, not overly expensive and uh, very fresh and that kind of summer feel to it. Well, let's start with one of my favourites and that's the Vino Verde from Portugal. Yes, uh, Vino Verde is, is a um, very traditional uh, Portuguese wine. Uh, Vino Verde means green wine, so it is actually very, has a real green tinge in it. It has a slight effervescence similar to a very light, very light Prosecco. Um, but it's a really fresh... I had a glass of this the other night, um, and it's it's lovely. It's really drinkable. It's um, perfect. The alcohol level isn't too high, so it's it's has that... It's perfectly built for sitting outside. The percentage level on it is only 9.5%, which is probably 2 or 3% more less than most of them, which makes a huge difference, especially when you're drinking earlier in the day or in the evening. It definitely is one for the summer, for the fine weather. It's yes. not one for drinking by a, a roaring fire. No, it doesn't work like that at all. It needs to be really cold. 
Um, and it, this one is called Gas Castle Garcia, a very distinctive label. If you've been on holidays in Portugal, you'll see it in Portugal. It's one of their one of their most prominent uh, and most respected uh, Vina Verdes. Yet great value, you know, costing around eleven euros a bottle, eleven fifty a bottle. Is that made in a different way to other wines because there's the bit of effervescence in it? Yes, indeed. Yeah, there's a slight carbonation in it. I mean, very slight now. You can just about see it. Like you're not going to have bubbles rushing up through the glass when you have it. Uh, and it's served in a normal wine glass. It's not served in what you'd have in a champagne glass. Slightly different little sugar added, which gives us that bit of what uh, forms that natural sugars, along with the natural sugars, and makes that slight effervescent, but really slight. But what makes is that it makes it really fresh. What sort of grape is that made with? Vina Verde. That's, that's yeah, yeah. actually yeah. the name of the yeah, grape, okay. And is there a part of Portugal that it would come from? Yeah, or? it's a joven. It's coming from the, if you look at Portugal as a, as, a, as a rectangle running down the side of Spain, it's coming from the top left-hand corner. Okay. Out to the coast, which is where the, the sea and where the seafood is, and it goes particularly well with seafood. And you mentioned Prosecco there, and you have a Prosecco from Treviso, yeah. is it? Yes, yeah. This is a Prosecco. This is a Prosecco Versante. It has a scoop cap top. Um, it's one from Es Osvaldo. Uh, it's brand new to us. It's a new range of, of uh, they have a Pinot Grigio as well. Really nice products. This is a very good value, costing around just over 10 euros a bottle. Um, but it, everything about the, the, these producers is quality, absolute quality. Um, it has a lovely bubble in it. Um, it has a big sister than full pop-off cork Prosecco as well, which is really nice. Uh, but this is just great value. Perfect for the for summertime drinking. How much is it a bottle? About 11 euros, just over 10, between 10, 15, 11 euros. Okay, yeah, yeah. that is very good value. Yeah, it is. And yeah. the, the, screw tap, the screw cap is very handy. Oh, it's perfect. You know, it's just ideal, particularly if you're drinking a couple of glasses of it and want to put it back in the fridge. And the only thing is it doesn't last too long because Prosecco is going to die really, but the, the bubble is going to lose in it, but the taste isn't going to change that dramatically. But yeah, the screw cap is really handy, particularly when you're out and you only have to open as many as when you open it as you want it, then as opposed to pre-opening anything, which is. And the proseccos are usually a bit lower in alcohol. They're usually yeah, around eleven they percent. Yeah, they tend to be a bit. Um, now this one um, is eleven percent. Yeah, you very seldom you get any a prosecco that'll reach up to twelve percent. Champagne is the same; it just won't have that. Why is that? Um, it's it's probably the procedure for itself. It, it's a long process that it goes through. Um, for champagne, for the full champagnes, um, a lot of them are coming from the north of, of France, uh, just don't have the sunshine, don't have the sugar in the product, which means it doesn't turn into alcohol, so it's just lower. Um, and these all would have sugar added again, and the reason they add sugar to them is because it generates that process that gives it the bubble, that gives it the natural bubble, as opposed to, it's not injected with, with uh, carbon dioxide or anything, it, it has a real natural bubble in it. How long would it take for a bottle of that to be made from the grape being picked until it's in the bottle and ready to sell? Well, this one and the screw cap ones work kind of a bit quicker. They'll probably be in a bottle within six or seven weeks. Really? Yeah. As quickly as that? As quickly as that. Wow. But it's, it's, the, it's the champagne ones. If you take a full bottle of champagne, that procedure is very drawn out and very complicated uh, with yeast and um, the yeast tilting bottles and letting the yeast settle to the top and taking that out very long process hence you're paying for your product because okay. it's really hands-on there's no machines that can do it it's it's uh, it's as you see you need to be able to look at the bottle and say it's ready now and and very difficult process and of course we had the prosecco scare there last year that there was going yeah, to be a shortage really yeah, really. it's, yeah everything's okay then everything's okay enough. and I, I was talking to, a, to a, an italian uh, producer recently about this 
and we were talking about Pinot Grigio and Prosecco and we were saying that Prosecco is massive you know it's huge in Ireland yeah he said it's just a shame Ireland isn't very big <laughs> you know it's, 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 it's very popular but it's not as big as it's made huge advances in the UK and Ireland but it's a huge amount of it being produced and they're extending the area every year uh, Prosecco area is growing geographically which means there's more and more Prosecco being produced in areas that were 20, 30 miles away from the original border of Prosecco so much more uh, pragmatic about producing it. And there's a lot of producers. There seems to be a lot of it out there. Um, some of the quality is really dodgy. Um, you really need to pay a certain amount of it to get to get a certain... And I, I just think you always need to try and find something that's actually produced by somebody. As in, they produce a label. It's their label. They have a bit of background to it, a bit of tradition, and, and uh, um, you know maybe a, even the second generation involved in it. But basically, you can buy Prosecco in bulk from anywhere and put any kind of label you want on it, and they're best avoided. And in terms of duty, then, is there a different duty yeah. on Prosecco than there are champagne or anything that has fizz in it compared to ordinary wine? Well, no, the, the, this Frisante, the one you see with a screw cap, is the same as a bottle of wine. Uh, but the one to pop off cork, because that's a higher pressure level in the bottle, it's double. Uh, so all champagne is all double. Uh, all the Proseccos with the pop-off corks are all double, hence the cost. Okay. So they're six forty a bottle duty on one of those. Yeah, so six forty a bottle, and then if you're buying a bottle at eleven euros. Oh, you wouldn't get anything with a pop-off cork for eleven euros. Okay. It just wouldn't happen. Um, or like if the you cheapest did, you get you them for like sixteen or seventeen euros would be the cheapest. But out of that now, you'd have vat of three fifty. You'd have the six forty duty coming out, and even at that, you'd have very little left for anybody else so you'd really question you'd only spend around 18 or 20 euros on a bottle of Prosecco okay all right well we're going to move on now to is this a French wine yes south of France Languedoc uh, just uh, north of Béziers in the south of France and this is a range that we've just taken on called Bachelory uh, Domaine de Bachelory uh, really relatively small producer but uh, just a fantastic um, varietal wine range um in this range, we have uh, Pinot Noir, we have uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot in the Reds, we have Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc in the Whites, and then we have a Rosé, which is a Pinot Noir Rosé. And they're great value. This is like a, a just over 10 euros a bottle, and it's a fantastic product. Yeah, I didn't realise now that Rosé, that Pinot Noir grapes made Rosé. Yes, they, they always use red grapes to make Rosé, because the... I think, as, as we said before, the juice that's in a grape is clear. It doesn't have any colour. Well, the only thing that gives wine colour is the skins. So the red wine, the skins are left in there, and that generates the colour. And the longer they're left in with the, with the juice, the longer, the, the more colour they get. The, and with what happens, so with white wine, they can pull out the, 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 the skins and the flesh of the grapes after they mulch together. They can pull them out relatively quickly. Um, with reds, they leave them in there for four or five days to generate the colour. The more colour they want and the more tannins they get. But then with the rosé, there's a mid-ground there that they leave them in for a little while just to get the colour in it, depending on what kind of colour they want, and then whip them out. So you end up with that kind of almost like salmon coloured and the lighter ones. And then you see roses that come from Chile and South America were very deep in colour, or from Spain as well tend to have very deep ones. And that's just left in there longer and the skins get more contact, and that gives the colour. And what would you recommend putting this rosé with? Is it the sort of drink you can have standalone, or does yeah. it go well with certain foods? Well, what roses tend to be is te- they tend to be fairly... 
they're not they're not that dry. They tend to be a bit more medium medium dry, so they're easier to drink. Uh, like Sauvignon Blanc can be very dry. Chardonnay is a bit more medium, but this is a more fruity kind of medium drink. Uh, they're ideal to drink before you sit down. Like roses are huge in the UK. If you go to a bar in the UK, you'll see two white wines by the glass, two roses, and two reds. That's and it's very rare you'd see that here. It should be very unusual mm. to see that here. There might be four reds and four whites here and one rosé. And that might only be for the summer months. It could be dropped for the rest of the year again because it just wouldn't have people drinking it enough mm-hmm. to justify it. And it's saying here that about the fresh red fruit notes and perfect with mm. melon salads, sweet and sour dishes. Mm. That's quite interesting. And exotic cooking. There you go. Well, now... Th- See the thing is that I suppose there's a bit more body to it because it's it, it has a it's a red grape so there's a bit more to it so the it rosy does work now it's saying that when they, they say exotic foods it's very difficult to pick wine with exotic food but if you're taking the exotic means Asian or anything like that because the food is so strong you know the flavors are so strong you find it very hard to get wine to accompany it mm-hmm. and a lot of the time beer accompanies it much better um, so it does. And particularly reds are very hard to put with them because reds react, you know, particularly into a chili. Red really reacts with that when you're drinking it. It's very difficult to do. Um, whereas at least the whites are cold, you know, they have that kind of better feeling. But the rosé then has a bit more body to it. But really, Irish people tend to drink rosé when the sun comes out sometime between May and September. Okay. And then the red version of it. Yeah, this is the full red version, which means that this has got the four or five extra days with the... With the uh, grapes in the mulch with the um, in the juice and this is a, a Pinot Noir is the lightest of the reds generally this is a lovely delicate real easy drinking uh, red perfect for people who are moving on who don't drink a lot of red and, and find red a bit overpowering maybe this is the perfect one to start with and what do they retail at? just under 11 euros okay so it's good with the great value yeah. and they're both around 12.5% as well yes. I mean, I wouldn't normally associate a red wine with with summer. I know there's some red mm. wines that you would be drinking that are, some people would chill certain red wines. Yeah, well, if you go to Spain, they tend to chill most of the red wines. Really? Uh, well, mainly because it's too warm not to chill them. Like, if you leave them mm. at the temperature, the rest will be at 24, 25 degrees, which is tepid. <laughs> so they have to keep them cool. So they tend to chill them down a little bit more than they should. Uh, so with the idea that when you're sitting outside a Spanish restaurant and put one on a table, it's going to heat up very quickly so that's what they do and the reason about that one is like red wine some people drink red all the time like they don't drink white at all so they're going to they might just like something that that they can have it you know for a barbecue at five or six o'clock in the evening where they don't want to have a Shiraz from Australia that's very heavy and has you asleep by nine o'clock they want something a bit lighter and that Pinot Noir is perfect good to know that it's the Pinot Noir is the lightest of the of the red good to know that Okay, and then the last one you have is from the Marlborough region. That's New Zealand. New Zealand. And this is Kono. Um, it's, this is a beautiful range of wines from the first 100% Maori-owned vineyard in, in New Zealand. Uh, 100% owned by them. They own a cooperative. They produce some fantastic food, everything from raising their own cattle, but have a, a vineyard as well. And this thing, this wine is winning all around it. It's it's won some fantastic uh, awards in the last couple of years. So it has, but it's a lovely product. Not overly expensive now, not the same price level. That one jumps up, it's up to like 16 euros a bottle for this now. But it's a smashing product and it looks, it's fresh, it's perfumed, it's 
for people who like New Zealand wine, this is this is a really one to try. It's very light in color. For the bottle is kind of a uh, kind of uh, putting that okay. kind of tension as you lost it when the wine is empty. Okay. Out. They make it. They want to make it look like it's really fresh. Yes, because you know, it looks very similar in color to the Vino Verde. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. But the bottle is tension that in okay. first It's a slight green in the bottle. Okay. And I like the way then they have a bit of their story on the label here about being the first. Um, people, the environmental guardians for generations in the mists of time, yes. our ancestors made an epic journey to this land, which they continue to nurture. That's mm. people are more in, interested in that side of things Absol- now. I have this on, on a good few wine lists now, and uh, it gets a great response because you know when you're when you're I do some work with staff, training staff, and opening it, and what people ask you when you're sitting down in a restaurant, what to say. And it's funny, people really latch on to this story of this one, you know, that it's Maori, it's it's the first one really. Uh, like Maori's have been involved in, in wine production before, but this is owned wholly, it's their own vineyard, and it's plus it's part of a whole movement that they have for food, um, which is a fantastic story. But the product is really good now. It's not just a, you know, a, um, a hobby. This is the real deal. They're producing a lot of wine and some really, really good product, but nothing cheap at all. It's all really premium quality product. Well, all great looking and sounding wines, Ron, and um, very important to, to stay hydrated during the summer <laughs> now, so it is, so you've fixed us right up with that. If people want to order off you, what's the best way sure, for them yeah, to do yes, it? Sure, yeah, we have a website, it's forestal.ie, um, or on Facebook, message on Facebook, or it's, it's very easy to find us. Fantastic. Listen, thanks so much for coming in tonight. Thanks, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break our resident wine expert Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants shared his summer wine recommendations and I can personally endorse the Cassia Garcia Vino Verde. It's definitely my favourite for the summer months. But if you've missed that and you're just tuning in now, you might want to catch up with the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. The podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, we return to Liston Varna in County Clare for the Burren Slow Food Festival, which took place earlier this month. And whenever I was there, I met Brian Donnelly from Be A Rebel, which is a Belfast cafe serving up award-winning ramen. So we've that to look forward to. Next up, however, it's time to travel to County Mayo. I was there last week with a delegation from West Limerick food and hospitality businesses in order to find out more about the Gourmet Greenway and what factors have contributed to its success. During my visit, I met Dermot Madigan, who is the GM of Mulrani Park Hotel and founder of the Gourmet Greenway. Dermot is from Askeaton in County Limerick and during my visit, we enjoyed a walk along the seashore and he told me about his journey from West Limerick to Mayo. And I also sat down with Maeve O'Malley from Ackle Island Sea salt to find out about her family's innovative food business let's have a listen bon appetit yummy grubs up delicious mm. 
Dermot, you must tell me your story about how you've landed in Mulrani Park Hotel from Askeaton. I worked in the, the Castro Park Hotel in Limerick for about seven years for a guy called Chuck Feeney. And myself and my wife both worked there um, in kind of senior management positions. And we wanted to move and he owned a property in the Gold Coast in Australia. And we asked to get transferred out there, which we did. So we were out there for about eight years. And then when we came home, it was 2009, not a great time to come home as you can imagine and um, a friend of mine was actually the GM in Mulroney and uh, she said would you come up and look a job because she was leaving and um, a friend of mine Ron Forrest said that you know um, it's from the area so he told me definitely go up and have a look at it and he says uh, if you like it move live in Westport and um, that was 10 years ago and have a look back and when you were in the Castle Troy Park Hotel would you have been working with Tom Flavin and Ron Forrest yes yeah 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 it would have been yeah yeah absolutely um, I know the lads they're two of my very good friends um, so yeah, Ron, Ron's been for mine for God, 25, 28 years nearly. Yeah. And, and the hotel has a very interesting history to it. Yeah, Mulroney has it. It's um, originally opened in um, the late 1800s, and um, the the hotel was um, built after the arrival of the railway line, and as a, as a holiday location for um, basically people from Dublin, England, and they'd. Uh, travel over by rail and boat to the hotel and stay for two and three months at a time um, so it was real kind of a upper level um, kind of hotel at the time um, with like boating in the afternoon afternoon tea behind the hotel all the type of stuff a real upstairs downstairs kind of place um, and a lot of the locals would have said to you that they never even saw the lobby of reception until it reopened in 2005 because they weren't allowed into the property so it um, has a fantastic history and the architecture one of your team was telling us earlier that the architecture of it was based on an Indian style yeah yeah, yeah the, the, one of the one of the stories is that they that he designed uh, two hotels one for India and one for Mulrani and he got the plans mixed up and that's why we've, we've ended up with the unique design that's at the front of the hotel that's there today so um, because it doesn't look very Indian no it, it doesn't but the, the the kind of points in the front of it kind of lend towards it I guess um, it certainly wouldn't have been um, if you look at places like um, the Great Southern in Galway or in um, in Killarney they would have had a totally different design um, and they would have been built around a similar time and the Greenway then in Mayo has become very popular and that's something that you've definitely capitalised on oh yeah without doubt like I was, I was explaining to Tina earlier on the Newport where we stopped for lunch and met um, the Kellys um, that town would have been a ghost town basically before the Greenway came along and uh, since the Greenway opened there's been nine new businesses started in about 120 yards of street which is a huge economic success for that little village um, and things like the Gormer Greenway that's born out of it and um, extra business that pulls the area not only for Mulroney and Newport but for Westport and Ackill as well it's um, it's probably one of the best success stories of um, public funding that, um, that's happened in the last 20 years and the Gourmet Greenway was very much your idea and your brainchild and something that you're very passionate about uh, yeah absolutely uh, we when um, when the Greenway arrived um, the hotel uh, needed a bit of uh, exposure and um, I felt the best way of doing that was through food so we came up with the concept Gourmet Greenway which um, uh, is kind of a hook and people got interested in it um, and as more and more we talked about it the more and more interest there was in it and um, so we commenced it uh, eight years ago started with six members and um, and today it has 22 members with um, uh, an almost year round events guide um, supporting it and day trips like this to meet characters like Parik and Sean Kelly and 
um, Marjorie Yakda and Sea Salt they're kind of experiences and food experiences that people don't get everywhere and that's what we offer with the Gormley Greenway and um, it's been it's been a, a great success for us so you started off with six members and you now have 22 and you're very particular about the criteria about you know there's certain attributes and characteristics or criteria that people have to meet in order to be a member yeah uh, we have some guidelines that we need to, to, to stick to um, because we didn't want to just become a list of businesses that had a food or a, a tourism product to offer um, so we we select um, and we also get approached for some membership but we, we generally select um, best in practice um, uh, members um, not saying that we're the best for everything but certainly very very high quality produce so when you have uh, groups and tours like this um, that we're doing today and uh, visitors come into the area and you say like if you want to meet um, a butcher or taste oysters um, go to Sean Kelly's and have probably some of the best sausages and pudding in the country and similarly with Porrick's um, some of the best uh, seafood um, that you can get in, in, in Ireland and um, we'd stand over that and we think it's very, very good. And you obviously use all those ingredients on your menus in the hotel. Yeah, absolutely, we do. In the restaurant every night it's open, uh, we try and use as much uh, Gourmet Greenway producer um, produce as possible. Um, so when people come to visit us, yeah. um, they they know they're getting produce that's produced locally, um, locally sourced, and uh, of very very good quality. And that menu is changes every day, but there's always um, elements of the Gourmet Greenway members on the menu. In terms of the future, then, like, what's your vision for the Gourmet Greenway? How do you see it developing? Well, when we go back eight years ago, the, the first section that opened was New Portugal Rani, and we focused on um, Gourmet Greenway members and producers in that area. And as the Greenway has extended um, from now Westport to Ackle, um, we've extended our membership and our venues that people can go and visit. And uh, similarly, when the new section opens out to Louisbourg um, from Westport, um, we hope to expand our membership uh, venues and, and more producers um, coming online with us. So that's how we see it growing over the next couple of years. And the group is here because we want to try and do something in West Limerick to try and improve the profile of food tourism there. What three pieces of advice would you give to the group moving forward? Um, three pieces of advice. One is, I guess collaboration is probably the most important thing, um, talking to people. So sit down face to face, don't email, don't offer, don't write, but sit and talk to the characters um, or, or the, the producers that are in the area. That's probably be number one. You need... Um, Second point would be you need a driver, somebody that's passionate about it and can take the mantle of, uh, I guess, coordinator. Um, that's very, very important. Um, and uh, thirdly, I guess, is quality. So there's no point in having uh, a great idea and everything is always fantastic and it looks great visually. Um, but the nuts and bolts of it, when someone comes to taste a sausage or an oyster or salt or cheese or whatever it may be or taste a beer, make sure it's a very, very good quality because that's what people remember. Well, thanks so much for hosting us. It has been such an insightful trip and I'm sure everybody has benefited from it. If people want to find out more about the Gourmet Greenway and the Mulrani Park Hotel, where's the best place for them to go? best place to go is our website. It's www.mulraniparkhotel.ie. Um, so when you click on there, you look for the food section, you'll see all about the Gourmet Greenway, upcoming events and uh, plans for the future. So um, we'd love to have anyone that wants to come and visit. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Dermot. Thanks I've had a lovely day today in and around different parts of Mayo, but I really loved visiting the Ackle Sea Salt visitor experience that you have. Tell us a bit about Ackle Sea Salt and how it all started. So it was great to have you there today. Um, Ackle Island Sea Salt started in 2013. 
We started because my mum was watching a documentary on seesaw production in the UK and she thought if they can do that in the UK why can't they do it in Ackle. So we began going down to the beach, taking buckets of water and boiling it on our hob until we made sea salt. And from there we went to our country market and it just kind of took off. We were just we began selling in local cafes and shops and a few different chefs in Ireland picked us up and we just started being promoted. Um so that was in 2013 and since then we've grown. We moved from our kitchen to a porta cabin outside our house and then in 2016 we moved to our custom modified factory on Ackle Island. And there we have a new visitor centre which opened last year. So what we do is we bring people in and we give them a little taste of our sea salt and they get a tour and they can see how the production works. And you can we have lots of little different products there that you can buy, like different chocolates that use our sea salt and salted caramel sauce and things like that. So it's just a great way to be able to promote the product and get people in and see how it works and just to be able to tell our story. Now, your parents' background, your father was a teacher and your mother is an accountant. You went to UCC and you studied food business. So you've kind of brought lots of different knowledge to the business now and you've done up lots of different recipes and there's beautiful images there that people can access on the website. Yeah, so I did a degree in microbiology and when I moved home, I worked with Ackle Sea Salt for a year and I realised that I had a passion for Irish food and just promoting the food industry. So I did a master's in UCC in food business and that really gave me an insight on how to kind of understand our consumers and how to really promote the products. So I love I love all things food and I love just developing new recipes to use our sea salt and it just gives people an idea because not everyone, while everyone uses sea salt, they're not quite sure of the different uses that you can have. So it's great with chocolate, caramel, ice cream. Um, we love it over kind of sprinkled over fish it's great as a finishing salt rather than in your cooking so I just love experimenting with that when it comes to salt it's something that everybody has in their house and everybody uses it every day why should they use your salt over say the Saxo salt for example because there's a huge difference between the two products yeah there is a huge difference sea salt comes from the ocean so sea salt and table salt are quite different in that your table salt is generally a rock salt or it's mass produced in kind of uh, Mediterranean countries or outside where it's dried in the sun and what happens here is that it's completely stripped of all its minerals so it's 100% sodium chloride in comparison sea salt is full of different minerals like potassium calcium and it's that that gives it this unique flavour. Because of all this combination of minerals, you kind of get a stronger taste. And it's a lot better for you rather than just getting your 100% sodium chloride. So does that mean there's nutritional benefits to Ackle sea salt? The minerals are quite low content. It's more that it gives it a better flavour. And it's these combination of minerals that really brings out the flavours of your food. Sometimes you'll find with a sodium chloride or your Saxa table salt, it's that it's really bitter, whereas our salt has a bit of a sweetness to it because of these different minerals. Um, and we find that people say that it's a lot stronger in flavour, so you don't need to use as much 
uh, in comparison to your table salt? And sea salt, if you get it from Ackle or you get it from another part of the country, there will be different flavours and different texture to it. Yeah, all sea salt is unique from whatever part of the world you get it from. And this is down to not only the different minerals within the seawater, but also the process in which it's produced. So our process is quite gentle. We really, we evaporate our water very slowly and it allows the crystals to form very slowly and gives us this real soft flaky texture some other sea salts might be quite hard and you might need to grind it down with a grind like a sea salt grinder um and it just depends on where you come from we find with Ackle where we are situated we have a lot of mountains and kind of the fresh water runs into the the ocean and this mixes with the minerals and it just gives you a different mineral makeup and that's why we find that our salt is so unique in the same way as oysters so oysters from Galway Bay would taste different to oysters from Carlingford Bay for example a different part of of the country and that's all to do with the ocean in which they they grow yeah it's just the area and because we're on the west coast it's quite a unique part of the world and you have you have your original natural flavour and then you have a smoked flavour as well Yeah, last year we decided to launch our smoked sea salt. We felt there was a market for it and a lot of chefs had asked us when we were going to launch something like this. So we partnered with a smokehouse in North Mayo um, and they smoke it for us. And it's smoked over beech and oak and it really has this intense smoky aroma and flavour. So we find it's really lovely as a finishing salt to just sprinkle over fish or a steak. It's great with a barbecue. Um, and it just it's nice to have a new a different product not just our plain salt and people really really love it and it's great to get the stamp of approval from award-winning chefs like J.P. McMahon who is the Michelin star in the year in Galway and Nevin Maguire from McNean House in County Cavan like that must give a real boost to you as a family in the business but also to the seals yeah it's great I mean they're great advocates for to for us and for so many other Irish producers and it really makes you feel like you're doing something special and you're doing it right when you get this support from such well-known chefs and these chefs you know they're promoting our products and they have such a huge following that people really get on board and it's great to see it and we have heard so many times from different customers that they've heard it from such and such or they've seen this chef using it and that's why they're inspired to use it. Whenever you go out and about to events like the ploughing, that you'd be there doing tastings and selling the product, and Bloom is coming up now, the Jim Bank Holiday Weekend, you're going there this year, I believe, as well. What is the feedback that you get from people that are at those events who come by the stall? It's usually great. A lot of people have never heard of it, and they're really excited to see a sea salt from Ireland. Um, and people are just really interested to try the salt. We found sea salt is quite a difficult thing to taste, so we try it with cherry tomatoes. And it's great to see customers' kind of reaction when they realise the difference between a tomato without salt and a tomato with salt. And it's nice just to get out there and meet our customers. And you find that the customers that go to these events become repeat customers and real advocates for the product. So it's great to see people coming back and say, oh, we bought it last year. And we're back again, you know. 
Ali Dunworth, who is a food writer, was on the radio recently and she was talking about working with Nigella Lawson, who everybody will have heard of. And one of the little tricks of the trade that Ali learnt from Nigella was to always have a little container of sea salt in your handbag because if you go anywhere and you end up eating something and you feel it's a bit bland to have some lovely sea salt to put on it and she has a special little container for it and that's something that you also do now that it's kind of the size of a matchbox. They're very cute. We're really excited about this. Um, It's our little sliding tins. So we just thought, why not always have Ackle Sea Salt wherever you go? Um, and it's something you can have in your handbag or for a picnic um, or for wedding favours. We think it might be a really nice idea. And it's just really, it's a lovely little gift. Just have your little bit of salt in your handbag and just in case you ever need a bit of seasoning, there you go. So you're always innovating and being creative, not only in the product, but in the promotional tools that you use to try and and get the word out there about the product. You yourself, you're doing your master's at the moment. You're just finishing it off and you're writing. uh, Your thesis is, is going to be on food tourism. Do you see that as a growing area for the business? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's an area for Ireland that's really important. I mean, we have such great Irish food producers and food that why not promote it? And for us, now that we have our visitor centre, it's a great way to just be able to tell our story. And you're part of the Gourmet Greenway. There's 22 members involved in that, which is like the creme de la crop up here in Mayo. Do you find that that is really boosted the number of people that want to come to the visitor centre. Definitely and even before we had the visitor centre we had people knocking on our doors because we were part of the Gourmet Greenway and it's a great initiative to bring local suppliers together and it allows us to tell our story all together and we all help each other and it's a way to promote different events and there's so many different suppliers or restaurants that will promote all of the produce and bring everyone together and we've definitely seen the impact on that on our sales and just on recognition around the country. If anybody listening wants to get hold of the sea salt where is it available they can buy online can they? Yeah so you can buy online at www.acklelandseasalt.ie we ship all over the world And you can get in touch with us then on all our social media channels. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Or you can just send us an email and at info at acklelandseasalt.ie. Fantastic. Well, lovely to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me at the Visitor Centre. And best of luck for the future. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was in County Mayo talking to Dermot Madigan, GM of Mulroney Park Hotel and founder of the Gourmet Greenway and I also enjoyed talking to Maeve O'Malley from Ackle Island Sea Salt about her family's fantastic food business, the visitor experience it offers and the benefits of being a member of the Gourmet Greenway. If you're just tuning in now you can catch all of that again on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated 
repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And finally tonight, we return to Liston Varna for the Burren Slow Food Festival, which took place earlier this month in County Clare. And when I was there, I met fellow Northern Irelander Brian Donnelly from Be a Rebel, which is a Belfast cafe serving up award-winning ramen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Brian, I can't believe I've come all the way to Listenvarna and I've met a Tyrone man who's travelled all the way from Belfast down to Listenvarna for this particular event. Tell us the name of your food truck. Okay, so the name of our company is Beer Rebel, and that means food rebel. And uh, we heard about slow food through a friend of a friend who knew Brigida, and they suggested that we should step out of our restaurant, which is based in the Armour Road, get a food truck and come down here to meet like-minded people and show everyone what we're doing in Belfast because a lot of the people in Southern Ireland in terms of food are a little bit more advanced than we are in Northern Ireland because of our own particular issues and one thing and another. And so, uh, yeah, we got a food truck and we came down here and we're making Ireland's only handmade ramen. And I was told by somebody it's the best ramen outside of Japan. Now, I've never been to Japan to have ramen there, <laughs> but this particular person has been there on numerous occasions. That's a huge compliment. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Japan either. So essentially, I've learned to make ramen from YouTube and listening to people talk about it. Um, we never followed a clear recipe, um, but ramen's got a very loose set of rules. And within the rules, you can be whatever you want. And that's what drew me to it. And we didn't necessarily turn our back on where we came from, which is very Michelin star-driven restaurants and and that that sort of environment. Um, But we wanted to do something new, we wanted to do something that was exciting and something that allowed us to bend and be what we wanted to be in ramen and Japanese food very much let us do that. And also Japan has a very similar kind of landscape to Ireland. They're both islands, they both have a lot of seaweed, they both use a lot of pork, they both have a lot of mushrooms, there's a lot of similarities. Um, The only difference is that they never really had you know, the political troubles that we've had throughout the the centuries. And so we come down here and we're feeding Japanese people from a food truck, which is kind of crazy. It's amazing, yeah. And they're coming back and telling us that it's very good, so I'm really happy with that. What's your own background? Did Uh, you train up in the north? uh, Yeah, I spent a time. I trained in Ballymaloo in Cork when I was 17. Then I went to London and worked for guys like Gary Rhodes and Gordon Ramsay and Michelle Rue Jr. And these kind of of restaurants, very high-end, very high-concept. And uh, I came back to Northern Ireland after a lot of years, and I just I just really wanted to do something different. I didn't want to cook chips anymore. I realised that the food landscape has changed. That Ireland has a lot more to offer in terms of produce, in terms of outlook, and it's something that I get very excited about. You know, there's more to us than turnips. Absolutely, yeah. So you're on the Ormo Road then in yeah. Belfast. Tell us a bit about the menu there. There's ramen and what else? Yeah, so the, the, the restaurant itself is a little bit different from what people experience and it's not really a restaurant, it's more of a noodle bar. So the seats are really quite cheap. There's no wait staff. There's a lot of shouting going on. It's super, super casual. Like are, Gordon Ramsay shouting, or no, no, uh, <laughs> customers having a good time, <laughs> okay. and uh, and like we're calling out people's names, and people are getting up, and moving around. I mean, we're we're a twelve seat restaurant. We're very, very small, but we, we turn over tables very, very quickly. And the the whole point of it is that we stripped away everything that was surplus to requirements, so we could spend as much money as we had on the bowl, so we were serving. And I'd, with the exception of one dish, everything is under £10. So you're really hard-pressed to go out and spend £100 like you do in most restaurants. And that, for me, is very important to allow people to have accessibility to high-quality produce and remove this mark of premium 
which people stick a stick their arm in or you know leverage a little bit more money out of it just because you're using some guy's local organic insanely delicious pork the customer at the end shouldn't get charged an extra 15 pounds for the privilege of eating it they should be allowed to have access to it so you can see that there is a real big difference between properly produced food and mass produced food and that it is accessible, it's not expensive, it's not outside your frame of reference when you want to go out and have something to eat. And what's your vision for the business? You've got the food truck now, does that mean we're going to see you at all the different festivals around the country? Yeah, well, we don't do every festival. We say no a lot because I'm not into the food truck business. I'm a restaurant guy, I know that. It sticks play to your strengths. Uh, I think we're booked to another maybe six this year, which we've said yes to. Um, I'm really happy with that. And they're, they're food-centric festivals. There are festivals that understand the food's very much an integral part of the overall customer experience. And uh, that, that works well. And then hopefully we'll maybe see another site opening within the next 12 months. That'll be an, a, mo- a progression on from what we're currently doing and allow us to do more things. And will that be in Belfast? Um, maybe close okay. to Belfast. We'll maybe close to Belfast. You'll have to keep us posted about that. Yeah. It's great to see you here. It's wonderful Thanks so to meet you. Thanks so much for talking to me and I'm looking forward to tasting the ramen now. Yeah, I look forward to dropping my noodles for you. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for tuning in and to my guests, Ron Forrestal, Dermot Madigan, Maeve O'Malley and Brian Donnelly. A quick shout out for Bloom, which starts this Thursday and runs until Monday. That's the Bank Holiday Monday. A great festival thanks to Board Bia and it's kind of the Irish equivalent to the Chelsea Flower Show. And so much more because of all the fantastic food initiatives taking place as well as children's activities. I can highly recommend if you're at loose end over the next few days. Visit bloominthepark.com for all the details. And fingers crossed, I'll get a chance to visit at some stage this week and have some reports for you in the coming weeks. In the meantime, I will be back next week, all being well. So until then, enjoy the long weekend and hopefully some sunshine. And remember, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.